recover from the blizzard last Sunday. Are we okay? I mean, wow, that was, I don't even really know what that exactly was. That was, you know, when it's going to do that, I'd rather it just be a foot. You know what I mean? If it's going to happen. But uh, we want to keep you guys safe. And that's another reason why if you're not signed up in the one call system, please make sure you do that. We won't bother you, but if service gets canceled or there's special events, if you're in that system, that allows us to contact everybody. And our priority always is to keep you guys safe. So uh, whenever we move or cancel a service, that's absolutely the reason. But we're, we're glad everybody's here. Remember week one of this series when we were talking about come to worship, we were talking about raising our hands, what that means, the scriptural references to that. You don't have to raise your hands in worship, but it's one of the ways that we exhibit worship to God. I know some of you did that the other day, and maybe that was your first time, but that's one of the things that we do. Uh, One of the other things that we see when we talk about worshiping God is bowing our knee, and and, uh, we're going to talk about that today. That's what today's service is about, is bowing your knee. So let's look at the scripture real quick. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, and uh, Becky has it on the screen, or it's in your notes, and here we go. When the wise men saw the star... They were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they did what? Bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. Now, just to clarify, I'm going to give you a little historical information, then some theological information, because we need to understand what bowing down is. We talked about raising our hands and what that exhibits. That that's a form of praise and victory, but it's also a form of surrender. And bowing down has some things, too, that, that we need to understand as God's people. Uh, there's actually a couple of Hebrew words that this word bowing down or worship comes from. Uh, one of those is shakal. Everybody say shakal. Shakal, right? I mean, that's what it sounds like. I'm just telling you what it says, but that's one of the words in Hebrew, shakal. The other one is barak. Everybody say barak. Yeah, impress people at lunch today. Go around and say, hey, a little Hebrew, barak, you know, and they may not know what's wrong with you, but that's okay. You can do that. But both of these words, here's what they mean. It means to kneel or bow, to give reverence to God as an act of adoration, and it implies, now listen to this, it implies a continuous giving place to God and being entombed or surrendered to him. In his presence. And so when we talk about bowing down, physically bowing down, it puts us in a place of reverence for God, a place of submission to God. And we're going to talk about what that means today. But it's interesting about the wise men. And and if you come to the play today, which I really encourage you to do, it's great. There's a scene with the kids and a nativity, and everybody's bowing down around Jesus. Why did they do that? Well, first off, the wise men traveled about 900 miles, they think, to come see Jesus. And there's a couple of different theological theories about whether whether the wise men were there at the manger, at at the barn stable, or if he came as a toddler. There's two different theological theories. One says that they followed, and they were actually there, like most of us see on our Christmas cards or the shows, that the wise men were there, and that could have absolutely happened. But the other theory is is that Jesus was a little older, maybe he was a toddler, and and I'm just giving you a little history lesson here. If you look in your scripture, it says, on coming to the house. But somebody asked me last week, they said, hey, did they come to the barn? Well, this translation says a house, and one of the theories was, is that Joseph was from Bethlehem, even though they lived in Nazareth, they came home, they would have had family in town. And so when they got there, everything was full, and they had to go to the barn because she was having the baby, and there was no place. So right now, 
We go to the barn, but then after that, sometime later, they would have gone to a house nearby if they were in town. So that is absolutely a possibility. So you can keep your Christmas cards and you don't have to be mad at your friends. It's okay, okay? But the other theory is, is that Jesus was older, maybe around two years old. How many of you have ever been around a two-year-old? Can I see your hands? How awesome is that? Because I'm just, you know me, I'm just going to be a little transparent with you guys. The baby in the manger, man, that's awesome, right? Ah, you know, and, and you're there and there's the baby. A toddler's a little different, right? A two-year-old, a two-year-old, does anyone have a two-year-old? Okay, I don't want to offend anyone because I've had three of those. They're kind of like little terrorists, aren't they? I mean, let's just be honest. They're, they're kind of the in-between stage. They're learning stuff, and they know stuff, but they hold you hostage and get you to do things. I mean, two-year-olds, are, are they're, they're that in-between thing. So I, can you imagine that here come the wise men, and they bow down to Jesus as a two-year-old? That's very possible. That could have been what happened. But, but regardless of which situation, whether it was the manger or later when Jesus was older, it was the act that these men had traveled 900 mile, miles to bow before the king. Now, our culture's very different. You know, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Come on. Guys, how many of you proposed to your wife on bending knee? Come on, can I see your hands? Seriously? Anybody? Did anybody do it? All right, there's one, there's two. Todd did? Okay, Clint did. Oh, see, now we're like, my husband did, you, you know. All right, Trish and I, I I'm going to, Wayne did. Okay, so we've got a few. How many of you guys just sent her an email and said, come on, you want to do this thing? <laughs> Be awesome, show up at this time. Okay, so, all right. They didn't have email. They didn't, yeah, they put it on papyrus and someone took it to them. <laughs> yes. Those moments, I live for those moments, guys. I'm just going to be honest. Thank you, Dennis, for pitching that to me. Um, when Tr- I've never told you guys this story. When Trish and I got married, I had this all planned. I got engaged. I had this all planned out. And there was this little Italian restaurant near us, and the dude that owned the place was actually an Italian guy. Little bitty guy, Italian. Heavy accent, the whole nine yards. So I go to him the week before and I've talked to her parents, my parents, I've got the ring. So I go and I have this event planned, okay? Y'all know I'm not a great planner, but I really plan this thing out. And so I go to this deal and, and I, I talk to this guy and he was so, he was as excited as I was. He was, oh, this will be wonderful, you know? So, so we plan this out and he tells his staff, okay, so we come, well, here's the deal. The night that I was uh, proposing to her, she was dealing with, like the flu or something. She was getting the early stages of that. So I call her and say, hey, I'll be by to pick you up. She goes, I'm not really feeling great. I don't know. I said, seriously? I, I, like, you feel great. You know, I'm like, you're fine. We're going. We have to go. And she's like, okay, but I don't know if I'm going to eat anything. I'm like, this is not happening, you know? <laughs> so I go and I pick her up. And, and I mean, I've got the Brian Adams cassette tape in the car with the song. I'm serious. I have all this. I have really done a lot of, I don't think I ever worked as hard as anything in my life on this proposal. So, and I am like, she was like, what is wrong with him? And I'm like, nothing, everything's fine, you know. 
<laughs> and so we show up, and I walk in, and I can't, Trisha remembers his name. I can't remember his name, but he looked up at me, and he, whoa, here they come, you know. And, and so we go in, and we sit at the table, and it's the, it's the whole thing, right? And they're bringing stuff out. Oh, you want a spaghetti? She's like, I'm not hungry. Have a spaghetti. They're making her eat. She's just sitting there miserable, you know, and, and everybody in the restaurant's picking up on what's going on, right? And so, but the deal was, the deal was, the cheesecake at the end with the ring on top of it, okay? And so the, uh, we get to the end, sh- and he goes, oh, can I interest you in some dessert? She goes, oh, I'm not really hungry. You have to have the cheesecake. And he, she's like, but I'm really not. He goes, you have to. I said, you have to have the cheesecake, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm like, this plan will happen, right? <laughs> at this point, I didn't care if she said no. I just want the plan to happen, <laughs> you know? And so... Sure enough, they come out and the music's on. Here we go, and, and they go down, and then I get down on one knee, and now there's this revelation of what's going on, right? So I literally I got down, and, and we did the whole thing, and then she started crying. I don't know if it's because she was sick or I don't know what it was. But, and everybody's like, yeah, you know, everybody's doing their thing. And then it occurred to me like three minutes into this deal, she hasn't said yes. So I finally, I said, yeah, she's like, yeah, you know, so, so, you know, the rest is history. But now you guys know she was sick at the time, so I don't even know <laughs> if that was real, right? But the point was, that was literally one of the only times in my life I ever remember kneeling. Now, how many athletes do I have? How many athletes? How many former athletes? All right. You kneel for pictures, right? That's the other time you kneel. And so pretty much for a guy, the only times you really kneel in your life is to get pictures or propose if you even do that. So it's not something in our culture we do a lot. We don't do that. And, and, and so this was a, when I talk to you guys about bowing in worship, it's not something we just intrinsically understand. But it's something that God wants us to do. Now, I'm going I'm to state a, a theological fact that you probably never thought about, but it's very interesting. Do you know not one time in the Bible does God command us to bow to him? It's a known thing. Other people talk about it. I come to bow to him. Other people say bow, but God doesn't. And, and you know, let me tell you why I think he doesn't have to tell us to bow. Because when you are in the, great, the presence of greatness and the love and the mercy and the power of God is with you, you want to bow down. There is something about God when we get close to him that makes us want to. He is holy and he is God. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in an environment where you really just felt the presence of God. It was almost like you couldn't stand. And I want to tell you that's part of this. And I believe when the wise men came, They felt his presence. They knew who he was, and they bowed to worship him. They did. There's three things that I want us to talk about today that I want you to really think about and examine in your own life, okay? Look at Psalm 95, verses 6 through 7. Listen to this. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. Wow, that's interesting. So let's look at these three things about bowing or kneeling. We can interchange those words. They're the same. The first time we see kneeling is in pursuit of God. 
sounds weird, but very much like the proposal, we're pursuing God and we kneel to God because we're wanting to talk to him or ask him something. And and I'm going to share a scripture with you guys. I have preached on this. I have read it. I've taught on it. I never noticed these words that are the, the action that the young man took here. I never thought of the posture that he was in when he was talking to Jesus. Just to set this up, we, we talk about the story of the rich young ruler. This was a young man of means, a, a wealthy young man, and he is coming to talk to Jesus, and he wants to talk to Jesus about eternal life. How do I gain eternal life, okay? So that, that sets it up for you. Look at this, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to Jesus, and notice what happens, and fell on his knees before him. I've never noticed that before. He bowed down. He kneeled before Jesus, and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Now, I'm just curious, and, and there's no scientific basis behind what I'm about to ask you, but I want you to think about this, and maybe some of you for the first time, you've never really thought about this before, but how many of you, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you can remember, Dennis, if you can remember that far back, those of you that have accepted him as Savior, do you remember the position that you're in when you received him? Dennis, kneeling. When I received Christ, I didn't think about this until I I was going over this message. I was kneeling now. Now think about your situation. I'm not saying you can't be saved standing up. Absolutely you can, but I think for many of us, how many of you were kneeling down when you received Christ as your Savior? Interesting. And I'm not saying that's a position you have to receive him in. But notice this young man who is pursuing Christ kneeled before him. Question. How many of you remember or have experienced a a small child praying and you kind of kneel down by their bed at night? Anybody like that? You kneel down, don't you? Why? Because I think there's something about in that moment focusing on Christ. The kneeling, the submission that's involved in that. I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about or consider in your own life, maybe there are opportunities for you when when you're at home or, you know, I typically do my Bible studies. I'll be sitting on the couch or wherever, but I want you to consider maybe spending some time in prayer and kneel down and pray. There's something that happens when we begin to pray to God in that way. Very interesting. Let's, let's move on to the next scripture. There's also the kneeling in repentance. How many of you have ever sinned? We have like 30 perfect people in this room. Congratulations. I had no idea. <laughs> We've all sinned, haven't we? There's another time that we see people kneeling, and we see them kneeling in repentance. And let's, let's look at that real quick. Uh, the Apostle Peter was a fisherman, and he was out fishing, and, and he, was, he was out on his boat, and he was fishing, and he wasn't catching any fish. Anybody know what that's like to fish and not catch fish? I'm like an expert. And so Peter, but he is a professional fisherman, so he's out in his boat, and he's casting nets on one side of the boat and not catching anything. And then from shore, he sees Jesus, and Jesus is on shore and says, hey, cast your nets to the other side of the boat. I don't know if that's what it sounded like, but it seems cool. So, so they, they're like, dude, you're a carpenter. 
we're fishermen. The boat's like five feet wide, so there's fish over there, but there's not fish over here, right? So they, they think, now notice they did this. He said, okay, why not? So they pull the nets up, literally take a couple of steps to the other side of the boat, drop the nets in the water. The nets fill up with fish to the point where they, all, they start breaking, right? And then watch Peter's response here. I think it's very interesting. When Simon P- Peter realized what happened, when he realized that Jesus had just done a miracle, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Anybody ever felt that way? You know, one of the reasons we kneel before the Lord is when we get to the place where we know we want to repent. And I think it's such an amazing thing that we see Peter doing that in this situation where there's sin in his life and there's that recognition that there's sin and there's brokenness in his life. And I want to tell you, I don't know what the actual weight of sin is, but has anybody ever been weighted down with sin? It feels like a heavy burden on us. There have been seasons in my life where I was not walking with God on purpose. See, I I received Christ at 16. I don't know about you, but I didn't have a long list of sin in my life before the age of 16. It was later in life where I began to really walk away from the Lord and those kind of things. And there were seasons in my life where I walked away from him. But some of you will know what I'm about to say. You could feel the weight of that sin. It changes your complexion. It changes how you act, how you carry yourself, how you walk. The weight of sin. But when we come to him and we kneel in repentance and we realize that we have a holy God who loves us, something amazing happens. Jesus comes and removes that weight. He removes it. You know, one of the joys of yesterday being at the shop with a cop deal, and I posted some things on Face Twitter for you guys to look at, but I went back later as I had gone through the pictures. I went back later and looked, and in almost every picture, both the officer and the children were smiling. And just so you know, I know some of those guys, they never smile. <laughs> so, but the truth is, the joy of that moment, think about this. Many of those children, that was their Christmas. The broken homes, the hard lives, what they're dealing with every day. But in that moment, in that moment, they experienced someone caring about them. Many times we won't even let the parents go and we'll just take the child because we don't want anybody to influence their decisions. One little boy that I walked up to, he passed me. And I said, hey, what have you got in there? He said, I bought a book for my sister. It's the only gift he had. You know me. <laughs> I'm like, stop, child, you're making me weep. I'm leaking. You know? <laughs> but, it, but it was the, those awesome moments when you see joy. And this season reminds us that God loved us so much that joy came down here. That the weight can be lifted off of us. 
that the gift of God is here for us to receive. And hope has come. And that is incredible. But to receive it, we kneel in repentance. And some of you need to kneel. You know, it's difficult for us to do that. But Peter realized in those moments, look at what he said. Let's, let's read his words again. When Simon Peter realized the miracle, well, he realized what had happened. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Anybody feel that way? But if there's hope for Peter, guys, there's hope for you. Because Jesus loves us all. All of us, with our spots and our challenges and our issues, he loves us completely. But we have a part to play. To receive him in that way, we need to kneel in repentance. The Bible says, confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There's not really a pause there. It's unrighteousness. I just added that. That's a joke. (laughs) But notice that word, all. When Jesus cleans you up, Aaron, he doesn't just pick and choose. He cleans you all. And that's awesome. Some of you need to kneel and allow him to do the work that he does and clean you from the inside out. Amen? All right, well, here's the last point. Here's the last point. Kneeling, and this will be your favorite, kneeling in submission. Kneeling in submission. I called my dad a while back. My, now, my dad, 75 years old, he's one of the hardest working humans I've ever met. He, he has no slow speed. He's either going 900 miles an hour or asleep. I mean, that's pretty much it. And, and we've got cattle, and he's out working the cattle or our business. He's doing these things all the time. Well, I called a while back, and I don't know if it was raining or what, but he was in the house. I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm watching a show. Now, listen, I'm not really sure my dad knows how to turn the TV on, so my mom probably did that, but I do know this, he is aware, Sean, of only two channels, the outdoor channel, come on, my mom calls it the whispering network, she literally calls it the whispering network, she goes, all they do is talk like this all the time, there's a deer three miles away, we need to be quiet, she's like, why are they whispering, you know, you feel like you need to whisper, And then the other channel is the Western channel. That's the two channels he knows. Now, as I called him that day, I said, hey, Dad, so what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm watching a Western. I said, well, what Western are you watching? He said, I'm watching the Alamo again. Okay? I'm watching the Alamo again. I said, Dad, how many times you've watched, I mean, probably more than any movie ever, he's watched the Alamo. And he said, son, son, I've got to get back to it, though. I said, why? He said, I think we're going to win this time. He literally said that. Not just Texans or Arkansans, but Americans in general don't like to submit. We are the country, unique, okay, that says we're not bowing our knee to anybody. We're not bowing our knee to the British. We're not going to bow our knee to any. I mean, we don't, right? We don't surrender, we don't quit, we don't give up. That is not who we are. And then here's what we do. We turn around, we train our children that way. And you know what? Can I tell you something? As a country, that's a good thing. Fantastic. 
But as a child of God, that's not a good thing. Because we sell God the same thing. You know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Back to the toddler, right? Not going to, not going to. The story I'd read years ago that I thought was great, there was a mom with a toddler and the little boy had stolen a cookie or did something and so she took him and placed him in the corner of the room and said, you're going to sit down and you're going to stay here and think about what you've done. I don't know how effective that is, parents. Think about it. Well, I know what I did, but I'll think about it, right? So anyway, and he's going to sit down and he's thinking about what he's done. And she said, well, I see that you're sitting here. Have you learned a lesson? He said, sitting here, I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) We do the same thing with God. We do, don't we? God, it's hard for me to submit to you because everything in my life says I need to stand up and I need to be strong and no surrender and never quit. And, And the problem is we do God the same way. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Now let me explain something to you about Christmas and submission. The wise men bowed down to Jesus and submitted to him, either an infant or a toddler, and it doesn't matter. He was the king of kings. And when you bow, you submit. But Jesus is the son of God. God in the flesh. Emmanuel, we sing the Christmas song, Emmanuel, God with us fully God fully man and the Bible tells us that near the end of his life Jesus completely understood why he was here he knew his mission and on the night that he was betrayed after we celebrate communion after he did that he went out with his disciples and listened to his words Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw away beyond his disciples and he did what What did he do? That tells us something, doesn't it? He knelt down and prayed, and here's what he said. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He knelt down and prayed. What was he doing? Submitting. He was submitting. And I want you to know, guys, and and I mean this with all my heart, I think one of the greatest challenges that me and you face is that we we don't submit to him. We want to do things our way. And it doesn't work that way. You know, God has a plan for our life, and it's a good plan, and his plan is to give us a future and a hope. And we talked about this in our Wednesday night adult class this past week, but for us to to achieve and receive the plan that God has for our lives, we have to cooperate with him. God doesn't say, I'm just going to bless you, now go do whatever you want. God says, follow me, and then you'll get to walk in the plan that I have for you. See, here's the thing. Think about the first point. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, I want to inherit eternal life. And Jesus looked at him, the Bible says, looked at him and loved him. He wasn't mad at him. He loved him. And he said, hey, one thing you need to do, go sell everything you have and come follow me. Submission. Submission. 
and I think about for you and I how difficult it is for us to give up our plans and, and give up the things we have in our life. But can I say something today? And, and please hear the heart of God for you, okay? We are all worshiping something. The question is, what are we worshiping? What are we really worshiping? Are we worshiping him? Are we worshiping our things? Or are we worshiping ourselves? Or maybe even somebody else? But are we worshiping him first? Can I ask you a question? What if Jesus came up and said that to you? How would you respond? Would you, would you think about the things that have a hold of you? Notice I said the things that have a hold on you. Because think about this. Let's put this in perspective. God was talking to him and said, go sell everything and come hang out with me. And the Bible says that the young man went away sad because he had many things. His things had him. And so when I think about that, and I think about submission, and it doesn't have to be things that are holding on to us. There, there, are, there are people in our lives or situations in our life. It could be a job. It could be whatever it is in your life, but you literally bow down and worship that thing, and it has you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And yet God calls us to submit to him. You know, I find it amazing that Jesus said these words, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. He said, for my sake. It's the upside down kingdom. If you want to get, you have to give away. These things don't make sense to us, do they? And yet that's what he tells us to do. And that's when we think about submission, that's what we do. That's what we do. Now, one more point. It's really more of a statement than anything else. Now, now listen, this is important. You can choose to submit now and kneel, or you're going to submit later. I'll say that again. You can choose to submit now, or you will submit later. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Let's read this together. Look at Philippians 2, 8 through 11. I'm going to read this. You guys follow along. And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself. He submitted himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because he did that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should what? How about that? That every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what I mean. We can kneel now or we can kneel later, but we are going to kneel. And can I tell you something? It's a lot easier right now to, to commit and submit to God than it is to resist him knowing that you're going to have to submit later. Now we get to choose. Now we get to choose. But at some point, every knee, it says every knee, Every tongue, every nation, everything, above, below, everything is going to bow and submit to God. So why not now, while we are here, take the time to submit our lives to God 
and allow him to work in and through us. Amen. I want to read one more statement that I think is really powerful. We talk about, as Christians, we talk about the cost of following Jesus. The young man, Jesus said, go sell everything to follow me. And, and it's not all about that. That was his situation. But, but to really be a follower of Jesus, you have to be willing to do whatever he asks you to do. That's the thing. You have to be willing. Doesn't mean he's going to ask you to do all those things, but you have to be willing to do those things. But because we like to rebel, we like to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do things my way. And then this statement happens. I'm going to read this from a guy named Dallas Willard, and I want you to hear this. To depart from righteousness or God's way of doing and being right is to choose a life. If we walk in rebellion, if we say no, it is to choose a life of crushing burdens failures, and disappointments. A life that is caught in the endless toils of problems that are never resolved. Here is the source of an unending soap opera that sometimes is a horror show known as normal human life. The cost of discipleship, though it may take all we have, is small when compared to the lot of those who don't accept Christ's invitation to be a part of his company in the way of life. What does that mean? We think, at least we act, like we've got it all figured out. And can I tell you something? You need God's help. It is hard for me to look out and see a world. I don't see how people live without Jesus. Have any of you ever thought that before? I think of the challenges and the hardships and the things that we endure, but can you imagine going through some of the things that you've gone through without Jesus there? And then think about the people around you that don't have him. Think about it. You know, last night I had an opportunity. We were on the way home. We were getting some chairs over from Forstler's to, for the play today. And we were on our way back, and I was following Joey and Hazel, and Hazel called me and says, there's a house on fire right by the Red Mule. And I just dropped Miles off, and he flew by me. And they're going in the house from, I, I came to the church, drove back over there. From the time I pulled into the parking lot of the Red Mule to I walked around the fence, the house was halfway consumed by fire when before it was just in one corner of it. As I walked over, I looked at some of the guys. I said, what, can, what, what do you guys want me to do? How can I help? And the family standing there watching their life burn up. Literally. And this is what one of the guys said to me that has resonated with me, Brandon, all day today and last night. He said, Pastor, go do what you do. Go help them. Now, that's a literal situation. But I want to tell you guys something. There are people around you right now in your life whose life is on fire. And you have the solution. You have the answer that they need. And we need to slow down. 
and step in and speak the words of life that Jesus has given us, to speak peace into their life and to speak hope into their life and love them the way Jesus loves you and share that love with other people. That is what he has called us to do. And I want you to know, folks, I I love the fact that this time of year we talk about the star and we talk about Jesus being the light of the world. But, But remember what I said a few minutes ago. Jesus literally turned around before he left and he turned around, Judd, and he looked at us and said, I'm the light of the world, but now you're the light of the world. And then he says, go shine. Go be a light in a dark place. Do that. Be my hands, be my feet, lead people to hope because the message is not going to just fall out of heaven. It's going to come from you and I loving them and practically and purposely showing people who Jesus is. And folks, that's how things change. And that is our mandate. Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's on us. But he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you out. But you've got to go. What I want you to do, when I hear a message like this, remember, I get to hear it first, right? As I look at me, and it makes me think, where am I? Am I fully submitted? Have I given Jesus all these areas of my life? You know, am I submitted to him? I had to do that. I'm asking you to do the same thing. Are you submitted? Have you surrendered? Are there some areas in your life that you're holding back and saying, no, Jesus, I'll give you all these, but I got this one. It doesn't work. You're not qualified. You're not qualified. The best gift that you can give Jesus this year is you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a gift. Come on, go ahead. You're a gift. You're a gift. Turn to your other neighbor and says, I am so amazing. Go ahead right now. I'm a gift. <laughs> but you know what the truth is? You know what the truth is? You are. You are a gift. And the best gift that you can give Jesus is you. A life that's submitted to him. And say, you know what, Lord? I've received your gift, your salvation. I've received that. But you know what? This Christmas, I'm going to give you me. And you can put a bow on your head. I don't care what you do. But you know what? Think about that. Think about it. I know it's funny. But seriously. That's what he wants. He wants you. He died for you. So that they can give him you. And then watch what he does with it. One of my favorite things. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world is to watch you guys come alive. It's awesome. You know, I walk in last night to the play, and, man, we need some light out here. The next thing I know, Aaron and Grant have attached the sun outside. It's literally the sun. There's trees growing, (laughs) sunbathers. It's amazing. But it was just a word. It was, man, it would be 
to see you guys serve and how you love people is awesome. To see your hearts forgiving is incredible. You guys are amazing. You know you are. But can I tell you what Jesus wants? He wants all of you. Not some of you. All of you. So this year for Christmas, give him that. And then watch what he does with your life. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. That just makes me feel better every once in a while when y'all say that. Well, let's pray real quick. And I want you to, as we enter into this time of prayer, just ask yourself the question, am I submitted everything to him? Am I? Have I given him everything? Lord, as we're in this holy moment right now, and you came to set us free, you came to heal our broken hearts, then, Father, you ask us to surrender our lives to you. No attachments, no strings, no, no clauses in our life, but, Father, you've asked us for complete surrender. And, and Lord, for many of us, myself included, that can be a scary thing because that means what we're doing is we're giving up control. We think we know what life is, and yet you're just sometimes right outside the circle and saying, no, come live life. This is life. So, Father, in this holy moment as we're here today, I just ask you to speak to our hearts. Have we surrendered everything to you? Now is that moment that we can. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray, and I want you guys just to follow me in prayer. If you mean this today, then just pray with me. And this is about us submitting to him, surrendering to him. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving me for coming for me. Today, Lord, I kneel and I bow before you. Here is my life. Take my life and do something amazing with it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to close with this. One of the most powerful stories in the Bible, in my opinion, is about a man who had a son. And this son had demons. He was possessed. And it said sometimes the demons would throw him in the water and try to, he would try to drown. And sometimes he would be in the fire. And it was a horrible situation. I mean, can you imagine being in a situation where you're watching your child being tormented like that? The Bible tells us that Jesus was walking along and he looked over and saw the man. And, and you can imagine, I'm sure their eyes met and, and there was that moment. And Jesus, son of God, he said, can you help us? Jesus, can you do something? Have you ever been at that spot? Jesus, can you just do something? Come on. Where are you? And Jesus said, can I do something? And then something interesting happened that really helps me. Do you believe? Jesus looks at him and said, do you believe? And you know how honest this guy was? This life that he's lived? Can you imagine how many nights and days he prayed? Can you imagine what he was living in? And here's what he said to Jesus. 
I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah, there's some hope in here. There's some faith in here. But there's a lot of me too that there's not. There's a lot of heartache in here. There's a lot of doubt in here. There's some pain in here. And I believe, but there's a lot of unbelief in here too. You know what's awesome about this story? Jesus took the little bit. Said, I can work with that. And when I ask you guys to pray something like that about submission, here's what you're probably thinking. All right, God, I'm going to give you everything, but there's a lot in here in me going, I don't know about how. Can I just say he can work with that? Dennis, he can work with that. Just give him an opportunity and watch what he does. Amen? Amen. Well, you guys, let's all stand this morning. Just want to remind you, this afternoon, the play's at 2.30, it's free. You guys have actually already bought the tickets for the community, so I want to encourage you to come out. We've already put extra seats out today. It starts at 2.30, so you want to show up around 2, come on out. It'll really bless you. It's really good, and you guys will enjoy it. Um, But also remember, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, candlelight service. Bring some folks, come. We're going to be in the new building, and we're going to have coffee and hot chocolate and we'll have some cookie we're just going to come over and fellowship it's going to be a really good time make sure you come but bring somebody I'm going to present the gospel I'm going to present the reason for Christmas my favorite service of the year is Wednesday night and if you don't come I'll be offended I'll probably cry I'll start leaking it'll be terrible no but seriously you guys think about it bring somebody okay let me pray over you father thank you for these awesome people of God, Lord, your family. Father, I just pray as we've come today and and you've showed us and talked to us about worship and bending our knees, submitting ourselves to you, Lord, I pray that we would do that in our lives every day, that like Jesus, we would be submitted and that you would use our lives to bring about your purpose in this world, in our families and in our community. Lord, we're here and we love you. And God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Go watch the Cowboys. Y'all do whatever you need to do.